Beautiful. I think, uh, you know, in this episode, we cover a lot about how to benefit from plant medicine um, on how to prepare for a plant medicine experience in terms of the mental and emotional work in order to get great results and in order to sustainably elevate your consciousness. So, um, yeah, that's what came to mind. All right. Welcome, everyone, back to a new episode of the Neuroflex podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with us today, we have a very special guest, Jonathan DePotter. Jonathan is the founder of Behold Retreats and a recovering strategy consultant in his words. So uh, we'll get to know a lot more about Jonathan. Um, but uh, yeah, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Toby. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Tell me a little bit about kind of, uh, you know, how you got into such a uh, interesting area of these doing these psychedelic retreats in all these different countries. What was your journey into this whole kind of psychedelic space? Yeah, happy to share. It's, um, it's been an unexpected journey, to be perfectly honest. You know, I grew up in Hawaii with quite spiritual parents, actually, but found myself an atheist and non-believer for the majority of my adult life. Um, you know, didn't feel any sort of spiritual connection, was pretty anti-substances uh, across the board just by virtue of, shall we say, the darkness that I saw around me from alcohol abuse and drug abuse uh, growing up in Hawaii. You know, Hawaii is such a beautiful place, but um, there's some dark energies there for sure. And so, you know, for me, um, I went into the corporate world. I was climbing the ladder um, first in New Zealand, and then subsequently working in strategy consulting in Hong Kong. And at the end of five years in Hong Kong, you know, I found myself leading a large team, about a you know, team of 120 people, multiple clients, many projects. And I just remember waking up one night or one day um, and looking myself in the mirror and uh, thinking, I don't know what the point of life is. I don't know what's next but this doesn't feel like it. Like the next deal, the next client, the next promotion isn't gonna bring me anything incremental in terms of for fulfillment or love or joy or any of those things that I now understand to be fundamentally important to the human experience. So, you know, at that juncture, I just decided to take a year off, uh, not knowing what was going to come for that year. Um, and that was, you know, kind of the beginning of a, a transition for me. I, I wound up at a uh, retreat with a um, with a close friend of mine in Peru, uh, an ayahuasca retreat, and I had a transformational but also very challenging uh, experience. I wasn't prepared for the experience. I wasn't able to integrate the experience particularly well, um, and so that kind of opened the door to spirituality for me and, and began my, my search for understanding consciousness, understanding myself, uh, understanding the inner world, the outer world, the relationship between the two, um, and ultimately led me to establish Behold Retreats with a vision to, you know, provide people a little bit more guidance than I had along uh, my own bumpy road. Right. Yeah, no, and I'd love to discuss more of that, the integration component and kind of what you felt like that why that was such a big deal for you personally lacking that with the ayahuasca ceremony that you that you mentioned kind of getting your dipping your toes into this world um, and then just kind of talking about uh just just in general i feel like psychedelic integration is such a hot topic in 
in this space nowadays. And I'd just love to hear from your perspective, just the importance of, of being able to integrate an experience. Yeah, you know, the, the, the place I'd love to start is by observing the fact that there's a lot of people out there who have been doing plant medicine work for 20 years, and they're still full of negativity, judgment, scarcity, the house is a mess, the relationships are a disaster. So it's not that psychedelics in of themselves are positive. Uh, they're a very powerful tool that when we combine that tool with mental and emotional work here in the 3D, they have incredible potential to help us reach and also sustain higher and higher levels of consciousness. So I think that's the, that's the potential. Um, for me personally, you know, integration and preparation wasn't really part of the lingo five years ago as it is today. So it's been great to see that evolution and the focus and prioritization of anchoring these very powerful, you know, and even transcendent experiences back here into um, this version of reality. Um, and so, you know, for me, for me personally, <clears throat> it, um, it was such a shift. It was such a surprise to go from, you know, entering a retreat as an atheist and walking out, having experienced, um, you know, darker sides of my subconscious and having the spiritual dimensions made available to me. I, I did, I really didn't know where to start and I didn't really have any guidance around that. Um, and so to be honest with you, I actually kind of reverted back to who I was pre-retreat because I just didn't have any of the, shall we say, support or guidance to to help me kind of make sense of what I had been through um, during the retreat. And I see that that's, you know, that's a pattern that kind of plays out more broadly that, you know, people go on a retreat, they have a, a powerful experience, they think they understand everything, and then life returns to normal. And in that context, they're actually, you know, they think that the answer is another retreat. And I think what I'm glad that you kind of picked upon integration, because these experiences are only as meaningful as the changes that we make in our everyday lives. So if there's no changes being introduced in our everyday lives, then, you know, we're, we're, we're wasting the medicine. And so, you know, I very much in establishing Behold Retreats, one of our focus areas is how do we get people the most benefits with the least amount of medicine work, right? Because that's the goal. The goal is to continue to be able to elevate our consciousness without medicine between retreats. And it's not to say that people won't come on multiple retreats. They will because it's a powerful tool, but that the work continues between the retreats. It's not just something that's done, you know, once or twice a year when we fly down to Costa Rica or Mexico. Got it. Right. Right. It's kind of a, a dose of reality there. Um, so in terms of the, the specific retreats that you guys are, are offering, I've seen, so you guys work with, it sounds like ayahuasca, 5-MeO, DMT, and, and psilocybin in, in kind of different countries. Can you tell me a little about just what maybe each of those plant medicines, yeah, just what has that, uh, why have you felt like it's important to integrate each of those into into these different retreats and if you could just kind of speak a bit about maybe people's experiences with those and different benefits that they might come out of a retreat um you know after going through a plant medicine experience yeah happy to share um so there's i think the place to start would be there are a lot more plant medicines out there and i think part of part of what i'm excited about in the evolution of of this space is that people will begin to explore further afield, you know, San Pedro, Iboga, um, there's, you know, 
there's so many amazing medicines that are out there um, that are just under the radar, so to speak. Um, I think these three medicines are those that I think are most in the, you know, the public, the public uh, demand, shall we say. Um, so I think psilocybin, magic mushrooms, you know, I think that's a really good entry point for people who perhaps fe feel a lot of anxiety, uh, which is completely normal. You know, usually the spirit is saying yes, but the mind and the body um, perhaps are having their reservations. So there's a bit of you know, this work isn't for everyone, but for those who feel the calling, you know, there's often that kind of uh, a bit of a, a split there. And so for those who are, um, yeah, feeling, feeling that anxiety in relation to exploring their own minds, uh, often a psilocybin retreat is a really beautiful place to start. Um, it's, it's a very powerful medicine, but a little bit softer uh, on the body, say, relative to ayahuasca. Um, ayahuasca, you know, the underlying molecule is, the psychoactive molecule is um, DMT. It's a very complex medicine, you know, more than 463 plus compounds in the medicine itself. Um, so it doesn't lend itself to, uh, shall we say, the modern Western scientific research approach, uh, particularly well for, for that reason. There is ongoing research, but it's, you know, it's a bit more, um, shall we say, nuanced than the kind of more traditional, you know, um, molecule isolation based approach. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of work with ayahuasca. It's a very, it's a medicine that's in quite high demand, um, very deep experiences. It definitely works a lot on the, the physical level as well. You know, I think in particular, I'm going to call out uh, Americans are often got uh, a lot of, um, shall we say, chemicals and unhealthy imbalances in their physical body by virtue of uh, the food that's, uh, that we're consuming. And so as a result of that, ayahuasca can really help people clear out their physical system. Uh, and so, you know, that's part of, part of the, part of the contract is uh, an ayahuasca retreat is often there's some purging, right? There's, um, and, and that can be physical, that can be uh, energetic in nature as well. And so uh, for some people, you know, that's, that's a bit too intense. They don't want to, um, the, the thought of purging is, is too much for them. Uh, and so then, you know, either they've got the option of say psilocybin or looking perhaps at 5-MeO-DMT. Now 5-MeO-DMT is also known as you may, may already know uh, as the God molecule. So very, very powerful medicine. Um, generally recognized as four to six times more powerful than ayahuasca. Uh, and so it's not necessarily for everyone, but we do see a lot, I would say a lot of the executive clients that we serve when they come to understand, you know, the differences between the medicine and the breakthroughs that are possible with 5-MeO-DMT, that's often the direction that they, they gravitate in just because it is such a powerful medicine. The ceremonies are individually um, facilitated versus the group format for psilocybin or ayahuasca that we typically work in. Um, and then also there's no bucket, uh, which people like, no purging. Uh, there can be some purging, but it's not of a physical nature as it is with ayahuasca. Uh, and then the last thing is that the experience themselves are shorter. So the ceremonies are say 20 to 30 minutes versus with uh, say psilocybin or ayahuasca a ceremony can last between four to even nine to 10 hours. And that's so interesting that that with a, a 20 to 30 minute experience that that could produce such a powerful effect and be able to really catalyze such change in, in someone's life. But also, as you're saying, the, the other 
both, you know, some of the longer acting ones like ayahuasca and, uh, and psilocybin could still, you know, offer some of those, you know, uh, you could all kind of get the same potential benefits just in different ways. It sounds like. Yeah. Well said, well said. And I think, you know, what I often say to people is that, um, with say ayahuasca or psilocybin, I think when we're starting to work with those medicines, we have more of a negotiation between our higher selves and our lower selves. And so we're able to kind of navigate a little bit more in our own consciousness and subconsciousness. Whereas with 5-MeO-DMT, um, I would say you're not necessarily in the, in the seat of the bus, in the driver's seat, like you are, you are being driven um, when we start working with the medicine because it is just so powerful. Right, right. Now, now what, tell me about kind of what, uh, what else factors into kind of the having, having kind of an excess, a successful experience, like facilitating a successful experience that people have while they're doing these plant medicines, like preparing for these, uh, for the ceremonies, and then kind of what you do afterwards, like how, how does, how does one kind of prepare for the journey that they're you know, about to go through with you guys. Yeah. So what I, what I generally like to share is um, that people should take the time and the energy to find an experience that, that really resonates with them energetically, right? Read the content, speak to the people who are representing the organization or the retreat um, and really feel that they are interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them so that there's the right kind of energetic fit they feel that you're a fit for what they provide and, and vice versa um, and then and then from that place you know um, the mental and emotional work and the intentionality in relation to the experience is is really just so fundamental so the way we typically work with our clients is to um, help them prepare for three weeks in advance of the retreat and then to help them integrate three weeks after the retreat. And so in the three weeks before, we're helping them get really clear on their future selves. Um, we're helping them identify and surface any of the limiting beliefs and behaviors that are keeping them from that future self. Uh, and, then, and then teaching them tools to be able to um, work on themselves mentally and emotionally ahead of actually stepping into uh, the the medicine ceremonies because you know these these are powerful experiences and things can come to the surface that can be quite um, yeah quite powerful uh, and if we're not ready for that if we don't have the tools for that uh, then it can be indeed quite overwhelming and so just getting people working with these tools ahead of stepping into the medicine space really allows them to relax and let go and surrender and expand into the experiences versus you know contracting away um, in fear as, as you know I, I unfortunately did in, in my first experience so I really see that as kind of the bedrock to the preparation then of course you know we, we also take our clients through um, an in-depth um, psychological and medical screening uh, and help them prepare on a physical level as well to make sure that you know, they're, they're stepping in on a physical plane um, with the best chance of success and transformation from the experience. Right. Which I think is so important to make sure that, you know, with, with the challenging psychological stuff that people might be going through during a ceremony, you know, just to make sure that they have the inner knowing that, you know, their physical safety is not something that, you know, is, is in jeopardy, that that's not something they need to worry about while they're, you know, going through that experience seems like vitally important. 
it is, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, our, our retreats are a little bit more pricey than what's otherwise out there. And a large part of that relates to the fact that we do much smaller groups um, than is typically the norm. You know, most retreat centers you'll find do groups of 20, 25. There's even places that do 50 or 100 people in a room together. Um, and on an energetic level, our, our bodies understand that there's just so much happening in a ceremony around us that we can't really relax and surrender into the experience completely because of how much energy is flying around in the room. Uh, and so creating a more, a more intimate container really kind of facilitates a, a feeling of inner safety in such a way that people can just, you know, allow themselves to surrender to the experience. And then talking specifically kind of about the experiences that people have and, you know, the power that these, you know, experiences are able to just really kind of uh, change people's life trajectories in such a major way. Like what are, what are some of the things that someone might confront mentally kind of going as they're, you know, going through a plant medicine ceremony, what are some of the kind of things that they might, you know, have to deal with, whether that be things from the past and childhood or, you know, it sounds like from my understanding, it could really be, you know, all, all sorts of things from the subconscious might start bubbling up. And, and then once people are able to deal with them and let that go, they seem to be able to then come out on the other side with a lot less baggage. Now, that's my understanding coming from, you know, someone who's not in, you know, doing, doing what you do. So I, I'm just curious to hear how accurate that, that perspective is and, you know, just what, what else you can kind of fill in there? Yeah. Um, so the way the way that I look at this is vibrational, um, and I think the best way to tell the story would be that you know if I wind back five years to when I was working hard in Hong Kong, by any modern metric, I was probably healthy. You know, I was in reasonable shape. Went to the beach pretty often. Went hiking. Um, yeah, maybe too many hours in the office, but you know, good mental health. And, um, okay, I wasn't spiritual, but, you know, that was, you know, that's just where I was. Uh, and so I think your typical Western kind of successful person, um, I, would, I, would, I would put forward that typically they, they don't feel a particularly strong connection with their higher selves. They feel perhaps a bit spiritually disconnected. Um, we've generally had quite a bit of childhood trauma, whether we know about it or not. Uh, and that has deeply affected us on a number of levels. Um, and then third, in terms of our mental health, you know, there's some, some work and research that's been done by the National Science Foundation that shows that your typical person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. Um, uh, almost 100% of those thoughts are egoic thoughts. So they're thoughts about I, me, my, so me, me, me. 95% um, of those thoughts are repetitive and 85% of those thoughts are negative. So we thinking all the time, only about ourselves, the same things and bad things. And that's just your average person. So when we think about the uh, potential, the unlock potential. We're talking about reestablishing the spiritual connection. We're talking about re, um, recalibrating our minds and, and returning it to its rightful place 
in the hierarchy of self, in, in service to the higher self, um, in service to spirit, and quieting the mind. So, um, you know, it's, it's possible to reach states where we no longer have thoughts. We can still think, but we don't just have the random kind of monkey mind generating the same unhelpful thinking negative patterns over and over again. Um, and then on the physical level, uh, again, it's all vibrational. So, you know, for me, I used to go out and enjoy having, you know, plenty of drinks with friends a few times a week. Now I can't really even have one drink. I just find that it, it really um, reduces my sensitivity. I'm just so sensitive now that one drink will knock me off. One, one meal that isn't healthy will really knock me off energetically because I'm just so much more sensitive than I was before. Um, and so coming back to vibrations, this is all about unifying the mind, the body, the heart and spirit to a single vibration so that we feel, you know, truly aligned in our, in our, in the essence of our being. Mm -hmm. And in terms of kind of with like getting to that alignment, tell me about mm -hmm. kind of like just the, I guess if we could speak more about kind of the integration process and what, what yeah. that might specifically look like in terms of, you know, coaching uh that and and therapy potentially it sounds like that you guys offer um yep. to sort of like help people you know kind of solidify those changes yeah sure so if i if i take my own example you know i i uncovered some pretty deep uh childhood trauma my first retreat i had some really profound experiences in relation to watching myself from the third person and operating in different ways um, with my parents, I was shown how, you know, some of the beautiful things that I've done through my life, I've been, I was shown some of the things that were not so beautiful that I've done through my life. And so it really gave me this kind of very clear perspective on where I was going right, and where I was going wrong. Uh, I also got a very powerful message and also very humbling message that like, you are the only thing that's holding you back. And immediately what came to mind for me in the ceremony was like, well, I understand that there's a lot of me, but there's other things as well. And so like the mind immediately started going to other things that were holding me back. And the message just came back 10 times as strong. It's like, no, 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 it's only you that's holding you back. Absolutely nothing else. And just to have that kind of vertical understanding that just kind of embodied cellular knowledge uh, and, and yeah, just deep understanding of like, wow, uh, we all have limitless potential. Um, and to be able to clear the trauma, clear the limiting beliefs, clear the fear, the shame, the guilt, uh, the apathy, the grief, all of these lower level vibrations that are stuck in our physical body, you know, it, it leads us to feel very different on the physical level. And it leads us to a lot of questions uh, on, on the mental, the emotional and, and the spiritual level. And so <clears throat> having guidance to help you anchor that back into the 3D, you know, if someone uncovers some childhood trauma, for example, their, you know, their instinct might be to call up their mother and tell them what they, you know, how she traumatized them uh, at age five. But actually, first, we need to integrate that experience into ourselves and to make peace with that experience and to, and to release the energies that are associated with any negativity and no, any lower level energies and inclinations that might be associated with reliving that experience. And then once we've done that, then we can go in from a place of love and understanding and compassion, then perhaps we can open that door um, with, say, you know, a, a mother who has traumatized their child um, through, you know, through no fault of her own necessarily, you know, we, it, I think mothers are doing the best they can in, in, in most respects, but um, it really, you know, it improves the nature of 
um, someone's ability to to bring these yeah to bring a, this higher understanding back into themselves but then also how they bring it back to their family life how they bring it back to work how they integrate that into everyday lives and how they also begin to treat themselves and love themselves more in terms of prioritizing their own meditation their own physical fitness what they put in their bodies all of these things that are fundamental to you know keeping a higher vibration so Jonathan when when we kind of just take a step back and like look at when you look at like the whole psychedelic landscape which obviously you guys are a big part of in terms of the you know the the whole retreat business I guess you could say but just what what do you see as kind of like um, you know where this is going in the future as as more and more people become informed about the you know the potential therapeutic benefits of psychedelics as the legality um, you know, hopefully becomes more and more reformed and in, in, in more places and gets people access to these things. Like what, what do you see as, you know, are there going to be retreats? Is it, is it going to be like just a common thing where, you know, everyone's going to a retreat like all the time? What, what, what do you see as sort of the, the future for this, this space? Yeah, good question. I think uh, there's a couple of things I'll, I'll, I'll share to contextualize my answer, which is one, I think at the moment we're at a very interesting and exciting phase because there's a lot of experimentation that's taking place, right? A lot of people are trying different medicines, different protocols, different delivery methods, right? Whether that's in a midtown clinic or, you know, traveling overseas or, you know, dot, dot, dot. It's also worth recognizing that a vast majority of this work is happening underground, you know, illegally. Um, and so there's even a lot more happening there underground as well. Um, I think in terms of, in terms of what's coming, I see that, um, People are naturally, I think people are naturally gravitating towards, um, shall we say, the, the, what I would describe as the more natural medicines, right? Much of the science is focused upon uh, protocols and patents and synthetics. And um, yeah, they're taking a very kind of clinical Western model and trying to overlay these this new paradigm into what is, in my perspective, fundamentally a broken model. Um, so we'll we'll come to recognize that in due course. I still think that it's worth making any and all compromises that are required to fit the square peg into the round hole and get you know psychedelics in any variety into the current systems. Um, because people are just so in need of, of healing and, and getting better. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I really do see people gravitating towards the deeper, more spiritual experiences. So that I would say that's like psilocybin, ayahuasca, 5-MeO. Uh, at the moment, there's obviously ketamine, which is a disassociative rather than a psychedelic that's available within the uh, within the US and MDMA will be first that's an empathogen um, which also you know people like to describe it as a psychedelic so that they can claim uh, brand territory as part of their you know 100 millions of funding or whatever it is that they've gone out and and, and secured but it's not strictly speaking a, a psychedelic so um, coming back I think we're at a very exciting stage of iterating and evolving for people to understand what works I think that it will become quite commonplace for many many people I think we will also see super specialization in relation to what the the underlying motivation right for most people today the underlying motivation is healing 
Yeah, so I think a lot of people at the moment are, are looking for healing. So they're trying to get back to zero um, with, with psychedelics. And so I think we'll see quite a bit of specialization around that with you know, people that specialize in areas to do with treatment. But beyond that, I really think that people will come to understand that we've set the bar for health on all levels in the wrong place. And this is, you know, plant medicine, psychedelics is fu fundamentally, it's a tool for the expansion of consciousness and raising our vibration of mind, body, heart, and spirit. And so I think as more people tap into that, it will become much more uh, about growth and understanding and revising our understanding of what it means to be a human and the potential that we have, um, as opposed to fixing problems, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it definitely seems like that's just, uh, almost a reflection of just like how, I, you know, being, being in the, the field of mental health treatment myself, and just like seeing how, you know, a lot of people only focus on, you know, kind of their brain in general, or, or doing something to improve and change their brain when there's been, you know, when there's already a major problem, whether that's mentally or neurologically, um, you know, whereas, you know, I always, I always give people the example, like with physical exercise, like you wouldn't, you don't just go to the gym when your shoulder hurts, you might actually skip the gym that day, you know, you're going to, to build up this physical wellness. So it makes sense that, you know, just, just the mental wellness landscape, it seems like, in my eyes, it seems like kind of the next frontier of, of, of like the wellness industry and, you know, just focusing on brain health. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, what comes available over time, and I, I'm going to get a little woo-woo here, um, is that the body is a manifestation of the mind. Um, and so the body actually folds back up into the mind. And, you know, for me, I feel like I'm driving around an avatar. And um, so, so the point of consciousness no longer originates within the body. Um, and so, yeah, it just feels like I'm, I'm driving around uh, a, human, a human body. Uh, which is a very different experience than the first party uh, or the first person experience that I used to have, um, you know, a few years ago. Right. Right. So the other, the other component that I thought was really interesting of, of your guys' retreats, or at least some of them being the, the kind of company transformations working, you know, in the corporate world, tell me like, what, what do you feel like psychedelic therapy or, you know, specifically, um, you know, re retreats involving plant medicines, like how, what is the impact that that can have on company culture and just the cohesiveness within an organization? Yeah, you know, it's, um, when I first started Behold a couple of years ago now, I actually wanted to start with just B2B, but I really felt it was too early. Um, but given everything that we've been through in the last couple of years, we're really seeing that shift uh, quite quickly. You know, the, there's a dynamic here, which is worth noting, which is that, you know, when a CEO or, or an executive of, a, of an organization goes and has a, a huge breakthrough and a big transformation, you know, they're in a real position of power. Um, but often there is, shall we say, a lot of excitement in relation to the breakthrough and the experience that they've had. And, you know, it's beautiful that people want to share that. I certainly had that at the outset. You know, when I had my big breakthroughs, I was like, oh, my God, everyone has to try this. Everyone needs to do this. This is amazing. Um, but, you know, 
it's a very deep personal decision. It comes free, you know, for, for people to decide to do this um, comes very much from, from the soul. And so it's not really, you know, in my mind appropriate for an executive or indeed a CEO to, you know, kind of nudge his, his leadership team or her leadership team into doing something along these lines. So actually having a third party to kind of, shall we say, adjudicate that process in relation to who's going on the retreat, how do we prepare the organization, you know, before and after one of these experiences, because the integration is happening at many levels, right? The integration is happening in, in, on the individual level, but the integration is also happening between the individuals on the retreat. And then the integration is also happening back into the broader organization, because presumably not everyone was on retreat, or at least not everyone was working with medicine. Um, and so there's many layers there to manage. And so, yeah, we're, we're just at the beginnings of working with some clients in this space. So um, very exciting work. And I think, you know, there's when in particular, we want to work with very much kind of vision and, and mission oriented organizations that want to bring uh, exponential good into the 3D. Not so interested in like play to earn crypto schemes and, and that sort of things. Like those companies got plenty of money, but like that's not really where we want to focus. So um, yeah, just just helping them set a really bold vision for themselves, uh, stepping into ceremony, um, doing our own individual work, you know, setting some intentions in relation to collective work, and then surfacing those points of tension um, that exist within any organization that's been pulling together for a while so that, you know, that we can unlock the, the energetic blockages that exist between, you know, different points of the organization, because, you know, the way I always look at it is if the, if the vision in the mission and the product or the service are all in alignment and the people who are doing it are all in alignment, then the organization is going to fly. Uh, and so if there's things that are keeping the, the organization from growing, then there's something that's fundamentally wrong within the four walls of the organization. Um, and so taking a kind of organic approach to, to business and an energetic approach to business, I think it has incredible potential to, to unlock uh, a lot of value and to help us, you know, harmonize, uh, harmonize collectively and speed up the process of that kind of global harmonization as we move to a world that's peaceful, sustainable and abundant for absolutely everyone. And, and what speaking kind of on on the sort of specific blockages that, that you referred to, like what what are some examples of that that might come up, you know, within a within a company within, you know, the the retreat landscape that you're working with, uh, you know, if you have a bunch of, you know, intelligent, educated people who are all you know working towards a grand mission, and you know, but but still it's not working for whatever reason. Like, what are some of the common you know, blockages, I guess, that you found as far as what are the problems that are preventing that from being able to manifest? Yeah, you know, I think one of the limitations that we, of the ways that we do business is we like to put people into roles and then they're responsible for everything that sits within that role. We all have, we all have weak points as well. And so sometimes there are weak points that exist within our roles. But given that we identify so strongly with our role, it's often difficult for us to um, bring forward or let go of parts of that role that may actually not be in, in alignment with what we enjoy, right? So the way that I, I run our organization is we forever want to be looking at how we can evolve the team in such a way that everyone's doing the things that gives them energy. 
if they're doing things that are taking their energy, then there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that we're doing things. And I'm not to say that like, you know, filling out taxes and stuff like that, it gives me energy, right? But it just needs to be done sometimes. But on a, on a much more fundamental level, people should be feeling inspired and motivated to bring forward the things that they do. And if that's not the case, then I think there's realignment that's required because I truly believe that there are things, um, everything that needs to be done has people who are energized by doing it. And so when we look at an organization through that lens, we can begin to see a lot of blockages and on an energetic level. And, and through these experiences, you know, I don't know, you, you may be familiar, there's a great paper um, researching ayahuasca where they gave ayahuasca to a group of Palestinians and Israelis um, together in a single ceremony. And it was actually funded by, um, by Tim Ferriss, this piece of research. And everyone in that ceremony had empathy related experiences. So all of the Israelis experienced what it's like to be a Palestinian and all of the Palestinians experienced what it's like to be an Israeli, like all of them. Um, so it was a very deep healing experience for everyone there. And so, you know, the medicine on a, on a spiritual level knows what it is that is required on the individual and the collective level. Um, and that's not to say that there won't be challenges through these experiences. Absolutely, there, there can and will be because the shadows are being brought into the light. Um, that's kind of the nature of the work. And so there's a lot there for organizations as well to, to bring out of the, you know, the subconscious or shall we say the individual consciousness into the collective consciousness of that organization. And, you know, speaking of, of challenges, what have been, you know, for you personally, what have been some of the biggest challenges in, in terms of just being in the retreat business? You know, what's, what's been, what have been some tough sticking points that you guys have had to, to work through? Yeah, good question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, safety is number one, right? This is an unregulated and still nascent ecosystem. So what keeps me up at night is some of the things that I cannot control. So are clients being honest, right? Because if clients are being honest and transparent, then the chances of something going wrong are orders and orders of magnitude lower. But there are still some people out there who are you know, very motivated and trying to get themselves into retreats that they should not be attending. So that's something that honestly that I, I I, I have on my mind, shall we say. Um, the, the second thing is um, just evolving, you know, continuing to evolve our safety protocols. Um, so, you know, if as and when we have a client that has a challenging experience to really dig deeply into that um, and to understand if there are, if there are th more things than we could have done uh, in order to identify that this client was going to have um, a challenging or very challenging experience. Luckily, we've only had two such clients out of the many, many, many that we've um, that we've served. But look, these these things happen, and you know, pleased to say that both of them have come back to a good place uh, graciously. But you know, they they did have a, a challenging experience. So, you know, for me, the most important thing is just safety, safety, and safety. And so um, that's that's kind of very much our our north star are in relation to um, how, we, how we evolve the organization. How can we partner more? How can we learn more? How can we um, get more data that allows us to continue to improve and evolve the quality of, uh, of the work that we do from a safety perspective? Um, the second aspect is, um, to be honest with you, is finding enough quality healers. You know, there's, um, 
again, this is all vibrational. So we're looking for healers who have really done their own work and that are operating from a very high uh, state of consciousness, a very high vibration themselves. And there's a, uh, you know, I speak directly, there's a shortage out there. So what one of the constraints that I think we will have as we grow is to find enough high quality healers or otherwise, as we're already doing at the moment, is to train more uh, high quality healers. But that's a process that takes quite a bit of time to unfold. It's not a, you know, six weeks over here and then you know, off you go, you've got your backpack, you're a healer. Yeah, it's a really, it's a deep and, and multi-year process to, um, to get someone into a state where they can really uh, do this work at the, at the quality that we, that we hold ourselves to. And how about, you know, when you look towards the future of, of you know, what you want to be doing in terms of, of Behold Retreats and just the, the possibilities that might become available just as the legal landscape continues to shift as we, you know, as the scientific community and the, the you know, actual kind of therapeutic applications become, you know, kind of more and more, I guess you could call you know, mainstream or just available to more and more people? Like what, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to, you know, in, in the future of what you do and maybe things that you're, you're hoping to integrate or, or just have, what, what do you see as some of the, uh, the most exciting projects going forward? Yeah, I think um, foremost, I think rapid legalization and acceptance is really in order. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm based in Asia at the moment. I'm super motivated to establish the first legal retreat uh, in Asia and working, working diligently towards that. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've really hit a, a pivotal point. I think we see a lot of citywide, countywide, statewide, and of course, even federal slash, you know, international efforts to decriminalize and, and legalize. So that's, that's, to me, that's very exciting. Uh, this work really needs to be recognized and and allowed uh, fundamentally for it to catch fire like like it it can and it will. Um, I think the second thing is really around democratization, right? I spoke before about us not being the cheapest game in town. Um, I, I would love to be of greater service to more people, but the reality is to to do this work at the at a high standard requires quite a bit. Um, but I think, you know, over time, what we really need to focus on is how do we train another million, 10 million, 100 million, and I'm not saying that's you know, our mission necessarily, but collectively, we need a lot more healers that are able to do this work at a high level. Um, you know, it's, it's relatively, I'm going to say, uh, not straightforward, but it's, it's um, yeah, there's a bit of a, a protocol, shall we say, for training people on the mental, the emotional, and the physical aspects of this work. Training people on the energetic and the spiritual aspects of this work is still not even recognized by science. So, um, so the science is struggling to uh, deliver predictable results because they, they don't acknowledge or understand the energetic and spiritual aspects of the work. And so that's the second thing that you know I think really excites me is, or the second and third, I should say, which is the democratization of this work and also the, um, the, the kind of revising and updating our understanding in terms of the elements that are required in order for this work to be uh, successful a higher percentage of the time, which is absolutely sits in the spiritual realm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, I, th I think it's some awesome work that you're doing and, and you know, uh, the, 
whole concept of of beholder retreats is is super appealing to me and and i think you guys have a lot of of good going on there and and super uh you know glad to have heard about it in this conversation tonight and if if listeners want to find out more about what you do um or you know potentially if they're interested in doing a retreat themselves where would you direct them to yeah, I'm happy to share. I think uh, you can find us online, Behold Retreats, um, and uh, come through. Uh, there's no book now button on a website. You got to speak to a real human, make sure that uh, we're a fit for you and, and, and vice versa. So yeah, if what I've shared resonates, come and have a chat and we'll see from there. Great, great. Um, and for those of you who enjoyed the show today, um, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Neuroflex, N-U-R-O-F-L-E-X. I'd also really appreciate it if you left us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform that you listen to the podcast on. If you really enjoy it, share it with a friend, um, someone else who you think might find this information valuable and, and helpful. So, uh, Jonathan, again, I wanted to really thank you so much for, for coming on the show tonight and just sharing your, your experience and perspective and uh, really, enjoyed, really enjoyed talking with you. No, thank you, Toby. It's been a real pleasure and you've asked, uh, you've asked great questions. So, yeah, it's, it's been great to connect and, uh, yeah, I love the work that you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll have to connect again at, at some point soon. Beautiful.